unfair is because they think God is unfair and only with us. Why is it that people think that God isn't real? Do you think it's because people think that God should do more for them to stop bad things from happening to them? You know why people get angry at God? If God was good, he'd stop all the bad things from happening to us. He'd make my job easier. I wouldn't have to deal with a horrible boss. Do you think that the nation's rage against God and the people's plot in vain, in Hebrew, literally, they growl at a vain thing because God doesn't do something for what they ask for? says they want to break his chains. They don't want to be around his cords. They want to break all of his rules. They won't do anything with God. And they work together. Kings and the peoples work together to get rid of God because they think he's not good enough. It is in their own interest. The nations want nothing to do with God. they can do this life better than we can. Kings of the earth set themselves against God and walk with Him. The rulers of the earth think that God loves them with eyes that have never failed. But they don't. They've been trying to get rid of God, throw God out of the government. The United States is the 19th to get rid of slavery because we knew ultimately God and the scriptures that slavery was wrong. Very intriguingly, the founding fathers never meant to get God out of government, but that the government is never to tell you how to worship God. That's what separation of church and state really means. But since the 1960s, it's been, you need to separate church and state. See, the church should never tell the government what to do. separation of church and state. It's the government should never tell the church what to do. And yet, that's exactly what we see today. That's exactly what we're seeing today in many, many nations. Just go look at our neighbors up north. The government is telling them you can't preach to the Gentiles. You can't preach what Jesus says in Matthew 19. You can't do it. Can't say that marriage is between a man and a woman. It's hate speech. Why is it hate speech? Why does the government get to fight with some God and what's right and what's wrong? They don't want anything to do with God. In the last 40 to 50 years, this is what it's come to. Are you ready for this? Trish Zorino. I give you her name. She writes for a Colorado newspaper because if heaven forbid I quote her and I didn't give her her credit, she could come back and sue me because she's getting credit for writing this. And it's talking about leaving God out of government. 
she says this, in recent polling, only 64% of Americans say they're convinced that God exists. 64%. There's 330 million people in America today. That's about 211 million people think that God actually exists. Are you ready for this? She writes, church attendance is at an all-time low, dipping below 150, or I'm sorry, 50% of all Americans go to church. 50%. We have a 30, half of those do. Already, one in five Americans no longer identify with a structured religion, made even higher than the younger generation. Who can blame them, she says, when some religious leaders still consider the LGBT communities and women's right a sin, is it any wonder? Add to that that the fundamentalists who refute evolution and white evangelicals who are likely to support QAnon, more and more religion looks like it's going by the way of the wayside of like lava lamps and loot rigs. Thankfully, she says, America celestial cosmicos. We do, however, need to accept each other's freedom of beliefs, and that includes my ability to not believe anything. She wrote that. It had over 100,000 likes. 100,000 people thought, that's spot on. Does it make me wonder why we should even have time to pray? The younger generation hates going to because the church doesn't fulfill their needs for life. You know what fulfills their needs for life? College does. Money does. Sports do. Entertainment does. This isn't a church. I'm sorry, there isn't a church that has enough programs for the younger generation. See, I hear it all the time. We need to have programs to reach the lost, they say. We need to have this or that about having God and about not having God in church, not having God in the school. How about this? What if we actually had God? What if we started teaching God to the younger generations? And I'm talking about younger generations here, not being millennials, guys. I'm talking about young Gen Xers, 50 and younger. Your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, they want nothing to do with God spent your whole life taking them to church, teaching them all about God, and here they are now, adults, going, I want nothing to do with God. Why? Why do they not want anything to do with God? Is it really because God says homosexuality is wrong? Is it really because white evangelicals preach? I mean, is it really all about race? Is that what it's really become? If you ask the Gen Xers, my generation and younger, they'll tell you that exact thing. They want nothing to do with God. What if we have a church stop doing programs to reach the lost? What if we just start talking about God? What if we start hearing his word and teaching the younger generation that the church is the place that's going to fulfill our needs? It's God's going to fulfill our needs some worship program. Life's intriguing. Churches are actually leading fights nowadays 
whether or not they should have teas or they should have cherries. That's going to draw younger people. Whether you should have contemporary worship or you should sing hymns, that's going to draw younger people. How about the church stop fighting over that stuff and start fighting over whether or not we're preaching the truth? Thank you. You need to start preaching the truth. God's going to fulfill your need. Not some different proceedings. Not some health and wealth prosperity message. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to go to a church that's going to get me uncomfortable and persecute me. I want to go to a church that's going to make me feel good. Oh, wait, you shut my church down because of the disease? Because of a, an issue, a virus? Blessed are those, and you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account, Jesus said. How many of us feel blessed that way? Are you feeling blessed when someone persecutes you for being a follower of Christ? Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Americans need to learn that you have to suffer. says, you're going to have to suffer because your reward is in heaven, not here and now. Too many Christians live for here and now. I want to have what I want, and I want it now. That's not what God is saying. Americans need to learn that suffering is good for God's sake. We teach in America and have the mindset in America, you should never suffer. Wrong. God says, this is for zealous for what is good. Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, say that one again. Having a good conscience. When you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Verse 17, look at both for us. Are you ready for this? For it's better to suffer for doing good. That should be God's plan. Because the younger generation thinks, just like the kings of the earth, they know better than God. Are concerned for our world. Here's how we feel, folks.
answer our prayers the way we want them to? I actually had someone say that to me recently. I don't pray anymore because God never gives me what I ask for.
sufferings for our benefit. You have two options here, God says. You can either burst the bonds of God and cast away the cords. In Hebrew, it simply means to take away the captivity of God and his yoke or his ways. See, here's something interesting. For the non-believer, the yoke or the ways of God are hard. They're heavy-handed. They're unfair. They're not loving. They're unforgiving. They're stressful. Because you have to meet a standard you can never meet. So the unbeliever says, I've got to break myself of these yokes. Or you can be and see what Jesus means in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. To the graceless neck, the yoke of Christ is intolerable. But to the saved sinner, it's easy and light. We may judge ourselves by this. Do we love that yoke or do we think it's easy and nice? Because God does something which can scare the pants off of you. I know it scares the pants off of me. What does he do to those who don't think he knows better than they do? sits in heaven threatens the Lord holds them with a great they will speak their wrath terrify their enemies and say this man was set on fire by a burning bush what's the scariest wrath you've ever heard Justice is done and makes joyful righteousness the terror of the Lord of hosts. In 
this to Jesus on the parable about the vine and the fig tree. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and to not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Verse 7, and will not give God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find
is what the Bible really does. The wicked things, hates the light, it does not come to the light. These things will just be exposed, Christ said. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clear, be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Just like in Acts chapter 4, folks. The Sadducees actually came to the disciples and they told them to stop talking about the Jews. Don't bring that stuff into our government. Don't you dare talk about Christ because you will kill you. If you talk about Jesus, he's saying these men are going to arrest you. The Pharisees are going to arrest you and they're going to kill you. Don't you dare bring Jesus into this system, this life, this country, this government. Don't talk about him. So in Acts chapter 4, they yell, get him out of our lives. Who tells them that?
Jesus sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to condemn sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to not the flesh but according to the spirit. Who are in Christ what we were when we walked in the spirit together when we were praying in the spirit together the Spirit to give us the ability to speak with boldness the Word of God in a nation where we don't want anything to do with one another. We need each other because those who don't have help need help. They need something to help them. Listen to what it says at the end of Psalm chapter 2, and then we're going to be done. Verse 10. Listen to what it says in verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned. O rulers of the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, and his wrath is kindled quickly. Blessed are all who refuge instruction to turn from our ways and turn to his ways. We're to serve the Lord with fear and trembling. That's why Christ came to serve, not to be served, but yet to do the same. Being wise is always important when someone's trying to instruct you to do something in the ways of the Lord. And that's what we're being told here. We need to take distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord answered me and set me free. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Listen to what the psalmist is saying here. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. That's what we've never seen the sheep do. Man will make you look threatening. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your family around you. This world hates God and wants to get rid of Him. Every human being. Followers of Christ want to remain in union with God, but they don't find ways to search it out. Even when they're persecuted, Christ found them and called them. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in this community, and that is what He wants to do in this church. I'm telling you right now, there are people here who would pray for you as a follower of God. They would pray for you. There are people more torn down here than followers of Christ. instructed 
this last story. The king of Italy and the king of Bohemia promised John and us to be present at St. Sylvia's. Both got promised that night at St. Sylvia's. Thomas Wentworth Carey, a document signed by King Charles I, read, Upon the word of a king, you shall never suffer in life, honor, or fortune. Shortly afterwards, however, his death warrant was signed by the same author. Put not your trust in princes for your last moments. It's better to trust in the Lord in all that you do than in anything or anyone else. Fear does not profit you.
fighting and we would turn to you God who's sitting in the chair not getting ready to beat these kids up not getting any defensive move and he laughs at them as he is ultimately in control. Lord help us to focus on you. I pray that as we go home today we would focus on you not on the news, not on our situation and our circumstances not on our money not on our health and our wealth but we would focus on you so that when you do come back, Jesus, you would see there are people who you return to earth who have eternal life. That's my prayer for you. Lord, I pray this church would know you better. I pray this church would love each other more. We wouldn't get into fights over dumb things, but that we would focus on you. This would be a church that would pull this area would not be like, oh, it's Moline Baptist, but it's Moline Baptist who loves other people. Lord, you know what's going on in this area. I pray that you would give me a week to fight sitting in there with nothing to do. I pray that you would also bless this church. I pray for those who are not in this church that they would never be Bring your hand of protection upon this place and upon this church. Jesus is and his character and his trustworthiness and his promises. 